The business continuity industry is at a very pivotal crossroad. Many people are asking about the difference between resilience and business continuity, or how to tie risk management and business continuity together. Well, this episode will help answer those questions. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 23 of the Resilient Journey podcast, sponsored by ClearRisk. I'm your host, Mark Hoffman, and today I have a real treat. My guest this week is Sarah Garrington. Sarah is the head of resilience for a law firm based in the UK. She's a conference speaker and a frequent podcast guest, and she's very well spoken on the topic of operational resilience, organizational resilience, and just resilience in general. In today's episode, Sarah explains the difference between business continuity and resilience and gives some practical advice for how resilience professionals can work with the risk management team and leverage data to make the organization more resilient. We'll get into an excellent chat with Sarah right after this from ClearRisk. Navigating changes in the risk landscape can be daunting without access to the right tools. ClearRisk's centralized risk management solution streamlines the process of data collection and analysis, helping customers make impactful decisions and focus on big picture initiatives. ClearRisk provides a highly configurable, easy to use solution that gives our customers the confidence to inform decision-making and proactively optimize risk in their organizations. Effective risk management begins with data you can trust. Learn more at clearrisk.com. Sarah, welcome to the podcast. So excited to have you here. It's just wonderful to to have your energy on the podcast. Before we start, tell a little bit about yourself and uh, what you do. Thank you. I'm very excited to be here. Um, So my name is Sarah Garrington. I am um, the head of resilience at a law firm based in the UK. Um, I have been in the resilience industry for about eight years now. Um, I have sidestepped into it from a facilities management role um but yeah have been in it about eight years now and um, yeah currently working legal services well that happens to all of us right i mean i i've yet to do an interview with anyone in our industry who said um you know i dreamed of this as a child i had posters of james green on my wall when i was a kid and that kind of stuff right we're we're in the middle of a series right now that's focused on the connection between risk management and resilience So I'll ask you before we get too deep into this, let's talk about resilience a little bit and answer the question that's going around right now. A lot of people are asking, is resilience the same thing as business continuity? No. Well, not in my opinion. So I think um, resilience to me is different to business continuity in that business continuity is a key component part of resilience and you can't have a resilient organization without robust business continuity planning. However, for me, um, resilience, I always use this analogy, which is fairly poor, actually, but um, it's resilience, it's business continuity on steroids, basically. Um, so to have a properly resilient organisation, you need business continuity, supply chain resilience, DR, all these kind of different parts, but you have to put them all together to get a truly resilient organisation. Um I don't think we help ourselves in the organi- or in the industry, sorry, in that we seem to have different um, definitions regarding operational resilience, organizational resilience, resilience just by itself. Do you capitalize the operational and resilience or not capitalize it? And I think until we come up with a standard definition, I think we're always going to get stuck with this question of what, what is resilience? Yeah, I agree with that. And the way I have sort of been approaching it with people when they ask me is, Business continuity is sort of the reactionary aspect of what we do. 
where if you think about resilience, it's more proactive. It's more going out and and intentionally doing things to, to make yourself more resilient. Yeah, I completely agree that, um, yeah, business continuity is rea- the reaction when something has gone wrong, but resilience is stopping it from going wrong in the first place. <laughs> I, I um, love the definition that uh, is part of something I'm actually doing at work at the moment is um, looking at how we can define resilience and the the kind of definition we've come up with, which I am not, I'm biased, but I think is quite good, is that resilience is the ability for us to thrive in a challenging situation. And I think that that's a really good way to describe, you know, we're all going to face challenges. Every business is going to face challenges, but it's not surviving, which is business continuity. It's thriving despite the bump in the road. What I like about it is the intentional aspect of it, where sometimes it's hard for us to get traction on a business continuity level, particularly in some organizations that maybe they have an optimism bias and they don't really necessarily think it's all that big of a deal. But when you start thinking about it from a resilience standpoint, you tie it in with what's important to the stakeholders and it it tends to get their attention a little bit more. Yeah. I completely agree. And I think that, um, you know, business continuity has been something that, you know, has kind of been forgotten about to a degree that people kind of, it gets tested once a year and then, you know, gets put away in a drawer and that's it. And people kind of forget about it for 12 months. Whereas resilience is requiring people to look proactively as part of everything they do. How can we make this better? And I think it's, um, yeah, like you say, proactively going out there to, to make things better and to improve kind of everything that we do. Business continuity is like when you're sick and you go to the doctor, where resilience is more like focusing on living a healthy lifestyle. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I love that. Absolutely. All right. So let's expand that a little bit. Gartner defines operational resilience, and it's a bit of a mouthful, as initiatives that expand business continuity to focus on the impact, connected risk appetite, and tolerance for a disruption to a product or service delivery. So that said, it starts to kind of tie these two things together, the relationship between risk management and business continuity and resilience. So describe how you see that relationship. So I think, um, you know, again, having a robust risk management structure feeds into overall resiliency. So a culture of risk management and a culture of resilience for me is something that's really important in that if you have a good culture of risk management, a good culture of resilience across your organization, people will be more willing to come forward and actually say, actually, I think something's gone wrong or this doesn't look quite right, as opposed to trying to brush it under the carpet. Um, And I think obviously as resilient professionals, when somebody comes forward and says something's gone wrong, we can actually do something about it and invoke plans or do whatever we need to do. But if we don't know that something's going wrong, it kind of has the the ability to snowball um, and, and, you know, to become more impactful um, while we're kind of trying to work out what's gone wrong and what's happening. Um, I think also you can make sure that you're linking kind of a risk appetite and your risk tolerance to your kind of business continuity and resilience program. So, for instance, um, you know, if you've got a, a kind of risk appetite that you will have absolutely no data breaches at all in any sort of scenario, then that means that as part of your kind of, you know, BIAs or as part of your resiliency planning, you can actually start looking at that and saying, okay, well, that's non-negotiable. That's, you know, part of our like RTOs. Uh, you know, periods of disruption, we will not 
have any sort of data breaches. So I think that there is definitely very much a link between the two. Um, I think that also risk management will help prioritisation in regards to kind of which areas you want to focus on from a resilience perspective. So, for instance, if on your risk register you have got something that, you know, um, poor supply chain management is really high up there and it's huge impact to your organisation, you might choose to focus on supply chain resilience before you start looking at other areas. So I think that they can kind of help put some guide rails in place around how you approach your resilience programme. And it should very much be a collaborative discussion between the two business functions. So you said a couple of things there that I want to follow up on. Mm. I, I think what you're saying is that the risk tolerance drives a lot of what parts of the business are going to get attention. It's also fair to say that different areas of the business will have different risk tolerances. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, um, you know, in having those kind of areas to focus on it or really help, you know, drive kind of deliverables from a resilience team as well, that, you know, at the end of the day, regardless of what business function you're a part of, you want to, you know, exhibit a return on investment to your business. And actually being able to kind of check off things that say this made a big difference to you and your organisation because we have managed to reduce the impact of that risk if it ever came to fruition or put a plan in place so that, you know, something that's happened three or four times won't ever happen again. These are things that do kind of add value to an organisation, drive that return on investment. So, yeah, I absolutely I absolutely think that the two business areas can really work together collaboratively to um, yeah, promote that kind of good best practice around kind of resilience and where you're going to start. Because um, let's be honest, if you just kind of go into fresh faced into an organisation, there's so much to go at. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, it's quite helpful sometimes to say these are the big ticket items. Let's get those done first, um, as opposed to just going in, scratching your head with a long to do list that never gets shorter. Yeah, no, that's right. And and I was going to ask you how the risk management team and the BCM team can work together to achieve that level of resilience. And, and you just touched on it, but it has to be a collaborative uh, relationship, right? I mean, yeah, I, I think one of the secrets here has got to be leveraging data that, that already exists. Like we're not suggesting that a business continuity manager go out and start redefining risk tolerance. They should be leveraging information that's already there, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, there's no point reinventing the wheel that, you know, if we've got all this data and we've got, you know, a a richness in the data that is already being gathered through the kind of risk management function, absolutely, we should be using that to kind of springboard our, our kind of program from a resilience perspective. Um, I know that often, I, I mean, I do often get kind of confused with our risk team and people will often kind of think that we're kind of, mm. you know, very much the same function, even though we're not. But we just work together so actually so closely that it, it does kind of convince people of that. So I, I'm not going to get too offended when people do confuse us. Um, but I think that, you know, our resilience functions can always help kind of the controls that we have in place around certain risks that are are kind of exhibiting to an organization too. So for instance, business continuity planning might be a control against a loss of site, for instance, on a risk register. So you lose a particular building, here are your list of controls, and one of them is business continuity plans. However, there might be a number of other kind of controls as well that might work 
okay might work really well but actually it's about looking at those and supporting the risk management function to say you know as a resilience professional that's got a bit of scope to go wrong that doesn't quite work so well let's kind of make this more robust and actually you're reducing that impact of that risk again so it is about working together i think yeah and it's it's interesting that you put your answer together that way because i was thinking about you know two things first we're not asking business continuity professionals to become risk professionals yeah. right let let the risk team do their job and 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 let them build their data and i do have a, a follow up question to that too that i'll get to in a minute but we want to let them build their data and we're, but we're also not impeding on their turf we're there to support them by assisting with controls. And so resilience design techniques are risk mitigation steps and controls, aren't they? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, um, yeah, you're absolutely right. You know, there's a lot of organizations, I think, that have a risk and resilience manager. And, you know, that's that might be right for some organizations. However, I'm very much of that view that, you know, they do a fab job, let them do their job, but actually let's use what they do and use the data that they gather to, to kind of support um, everything that we want to achieve. And I use our risk team quite heavily, actually, when it comes to um, things like our crisis exercises. So our annual kind of incident and crisis testing to actually say, let's pick out what's on the risk register. What is a really big, impactful event? And let's use that as our scenario. Because actually, you know, we've already gathered this information and it does actually get people's head scratching, um, you know, in regards to what is it a big issue and what would they do? And actually, it's good for the risk team as well to kind of get involved in that, because then they can actually come in and say, well, nobody, we've got all these controls listed, but nobody mentioned X, Y or Z. And you mentioned some other stuff that's completely not listed here at all. And it kind of helps everyone, I think, to build out that kind of bigger picture what we think is valuable doesn't matter as much as what the business leaders think is valuable. And so if you have something that is a high priority item on the risk register, and it's gone through the full cycle of risk evaluation, and people are looking at it, and it's the thing that is scaring people, it's the thing that is keeping people up at night, Yeah, there's your value. And if you start working on mitigation techniques and being more resilient in that area, you're going to get traction, right? Yeah, absolutely. And that's the thing. It's, you know, what keeps the senior people up at night? What are those big risks that they fret about, that they are worried about? And how can we help them reduce that, you know, that risk score or just actually help them sleep easier? Um, And I think that, yeah, unless you can start to show that to your kind of senior leadership, that you are, um, you know, there to support them to actually make their business better, you know, that's where you start to get their buy-in. Um, so yeah, by being able to kind of use, as we've kind of said, the the rich data that the risk team have already gathered and do something with it, I think that's where the real value is, is in the kind of resilience function. So now we have to expand this collaboration then. So now you have to start working with the other teams that have identified the risk or who might be the owner of the risk. And so let's talk about supply chain. This gets into uh, some soft skills, some ability to collaborate and to work with other people uh, and to, to have some leadership here as well. You would assume, it's reasonable to assume, that if a risk has been raised, that we have single points of failure for our top core key suppliers. Yeah. You would have assumed that the head of procurement or sourcing or whatever it turns out to be would already be off working on that. 
So what do they need this guy from business continuity to, or this girl from business continuity to come in and do this work for us? Why do you need us? And so it can be tough navigating some of these cross-border uh, relationships and, and uh, organizational challenges. Do you have any recommendations on how to kind of navigate through that? Yeah, I think um, I agree. I think treading on toes and politics is always something that um, we're mindful of, I suppose. I think, um, you know, using supply chain resilience as a as a kind of example, um, one of the things that I find quite useful is actually giving other people the tools so that they can, you know, to support them to do their job. So actually, you know, we're not coming in from a supply chain resilience perspective. We're not coming in to say, oh, actually, you know, you've got this big risk. You're obviously not doing your job correctly. Right. But it's actually saying, here's a sheet of best practice of questions you might want to ask your these suppliers, which would reduce the risk and give us assurance of their resiliency. So I think it's giving people the empowerment and the autonomy to be able to go out and ask these kind of questions for themselves, but kind of, you know, still being able to kind of come back and give you the assurance that that they are actually doing the right thing in regards to that. Um, you know, whether it's a questionnaire or whether it's a, yeah, just hit a one pager of best practice. I think that by giving the other people the tools to have those conversations I think that that kind of it that's the way that I found is very helpful to to avoid treading on people's toes we know that good practice and even the ISO standards have always dictated that we do two things BIA so business impact analysis and risk assessments what I always have felt like organizations kind of let the risk management team do those risk assessments and the business continuity team do the BIAs and that's fine. I mean, those kind of always been segregated that way. But do you think we've moved to a point where that's no longer the right way to do it? Um, if we're going to try to have this collaboration between risk management and business continuity or resilience? Yeah, I think that there, there's an opportunity to maybe develop um, and improve the way that things are done. So I think that each has its place. So a risk assessment, you know, within the risk team is um very important and has a, a kind of different angle that it can come at, um, you know, as opposed to a, a BIA. You know, looking at a BIA, if you approach that from a process perspective and it's looking at critical processes, the applications to support those processes, RTOs, etc. Again, that's different to a risk assessment. I think you can link the two. So I think that you can, as I kind of mentioned earlier, can you look at, you know, balancing an RTO against a risk appetite? Can you look at criticality of processes, you know, in relation to your kind of risk register? But I also think that um, one of the elements that can kind of be bolted onto that is around that kind of threat piece. So that horizon scanning of what's coming, what are the kind of big risks to the organisation? Yeah. And that's where I think that you really need that collaboration of, you know, I don't know whether it's right or wrong who who does that threat kind of scanning piece and that horizon scanning but you know whether it's the risk team that do that and then the resilience team go this is what we can do to prevent that having such a big impact or the resilience team that does the whole lot whilst working with the kind of risk team yeah I don't think there's a right answer but I think that there's definitely an additional piece particularly now you know the You've got kind of things like the Global Risk Report, which has just come out, um, you know, last week, I think it was. And you've got, you know, all these kind of, I mean, in the UK, we've got um, the UK Risk Register. So there's lots of kind of information out there. But it's actually whose job is it to go through that and go, these are the big ticket items that are actually going to, you know, 
impact our business and how can we as an organization prevent them from having such a big impact on the on the kind of business so i think that there is that additional component that we can kind of slot in somewhere in in that kind of um, analysis and risk piece if you were in the perfect environment how would you use those two pieces of data together to help that organization be more resilient? So I think that the um, you can actually go both ways with it in that you can feed off the risk assessment from a resilience professional, the BIA, et cetera, but also the BIA can feed into a risk register itself. So if you are, um, you know, through the process of your BIAs, go through and see actually here a load of single points of failure and these processes are critical, but we've identified that, they all hang on one person that can do this across the organization, say. That's therefore a risk that you need to kind of put into your kind of risk register. Um, I think in some sort of utopian world, if it was all resilient and all singing and all dancing, I think that the ability of those two to kind of um, work together and actually almost flag those kind of big ticket, big risk items so that they can just be worked on kind of without the trawling through data that we do have to do would be helpful. I think it's also about the, you know, having that kind of second layer of information. So for instance, if you look at a BIA and you've got kind of a list of applications that's used to support a business process, you know, at what point do we ever kind of go through and say, actually, that application is particularly risky say because of all this stuff that's on the horizon um you know we had the the log 4j um vulnerability that came out just before christmas um you know and that's something that just kind of came completely well left field i think for a number of organizations where everyone was then you know scrabbling around going what is the impact to me but actually in a super duper resilient organization, you know, could we have used the information that everyone has on a risk register or a risk assessment and a BIA to actually already understand what that impact is and just be able to kind of deal with it, you know, almost instantly. I think we can make things more efficient if we all kind of collaborate a little more. So let's shift to senior management for a, a second here. It could be a challenge for senior management to understand why resilience is sort of the next natural step as part of the BC program. What can we do as resilience professionals to get them on board with that concept? So I think um, one thing I always tell my team um, is that we always need to have an elevator pitch. Um, And it's something that I, I kind of encourage a lot of people to have that's just three or four bullets in the back of your mind about why your organization, this is the right thing to do. That if you see the C suite in the lift or you know walking past you in a corridor you can grab them and go this is the value da, 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 and just let them let them kind of take that information away however I will also say that I think you know the last two years it's been now um have kind of taught us that literally anything is possible and anything can happen um you know and I am one of many people I think that had difficult conversations at a few organizations that I've been at um, you know, around is a pandemic really something that we need to plan for? Um, the answer has always been yes. But, um, <laughs> you know, it, it's I think, you know, taking the the kind of pandemic side away for a moment, you know, it's it's been a, a terrible experience for a lot of people. But it's also kind of been something that's put resilience at the forefront of a lot of people's minds. And I think being able to say, you know, we survived this, you know, completely left field event this completely you know out of nowhere black swan event you know 
um, by having good plans in place, by being able to kind of be an agile organization that, you know, did flex in the right places, that actually, you know, that's how we got through this. And I think that um, I've never been one to waste a good crisis. Um, and I think that learning from what's happened and being able to really drill that home to your senior exec, I think is, um, you know, a skill that we all need to to kind of really use and and, and use at the moment, particularly around the, the kind of fallout of the pandemic. Hey, let me get you out of here on this. I know you do a lot on social media. You're involved in different conferences and things like that. How can people get in touch with you? And do you have any speaking engagements or anything coming up? Um, I don't have any speaking engagements coming up at the moment. Um, I am always available on LinkedIn and always happy to chat to anyone and everyone on LinkedIn. That's fine. Um, I think that I'm, yeah, I'm really trying to actually drive conversations about resilience at the moment. I think it's really important for everyone to try and crawl through a bit of the kind of murkiness of what what is resilience what are we meant to be doing um so i'm more than happy at any point for people to yeah reach out on linkedin and we can get a call or something arranged that's fine well thank you for doing this i knew the first time i met you i think we were on a panel together right back at bci world yeah, yeah. and uh, i came out of that and i was like yeah i need to have sarah on the podcast so uh <laughs> it was uh even better than i thought it was going to be so thanks for doing this no, thank you for having me. I've loved it. Special thanks to Sarah Garrington for joining me on this episode of The Resilient Journey. Next week, we tidy up the studio and put on our best suit as Craig Rowe, CEO of ClearRisk, joins the program. In addition to being ClearRisk's CEO, Craig has been a risk manager and consultant, and I ask him to describe some challenges that he sees in the risk management world. And we continue the conversation about the relationship between risk and resilience, but this time from the risk manager's point of view. We also have a pretty major announcement. So join us, won't you, as we continue our resilient journey.